yo. Welcome back to another episode you. of the Keen Late Podcast, the Premier Whiskey Podcast, now with the word whiskey in its title. You ready to go? Okay, go ahead. We have a, we have a jam-packed studio here today on top of Fountainhead Roof Deck Garden as we are enjoying just the uh, the fleeting days of summer as the rain comes, the cool nights come, and uh, Wilson's wearing a sweater. I'm already layering, bro. That's Wilson Ramon Torres, everybody. Hey, young world. My name is Jay Cookie. I am the host of this Dear Whiskey podcast that I do with uh, Wilson, and we've been recording all summer long up at Fountainhead in Chicago, one of the premier whiskey bars in Chicago with the one and only beverage director and manager of Fountainhead, Bob Zacharias. Hey, uh, I gotta say, I am I am liking this. Just a touch of a cool weather. I like this. I do. Better than last time. This it is, was a little too hot. This is my jam right now. You like I'm this, Bob? Yeah. I can it's a great Oktoberfest beer weather. It's Ooh, great bourbon oh, weather. Oh yeah. Um, we yeah. We have I love the bourbon, it. but we don't have the Oktoberfest. Oh I yeah. I got, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was holding out on you guys on that. Oh uh, yeah. Sorry. I'll pour up a few of those here in a second. And a, cool. a, a returning guest of sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. I don't know. Maybe tenth time. <laughs> the Urban Bourbon's Chris Blitner. <laughs> Thank you for having me again, guys. I don't know why you keep inviting me back, but I'll keep coming. Someone well, has to tame this podcast. <laughs> Chris, you, you bring gifts. You come bearing it's gifts true. all the time in form of pours, and we appreciate that because it is a ambiguous whiskey podcast in yes. a sense where we have whiskey in the title, but we rarely talk about it as anymore. The world grip of whiskey. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that we'll when get we're to trying that. in yeah. this full table of whiskey, as long as we have our yeah. fifth vagabond joining <laughs> us <laughs> that just happened to be here as we... Uh, the princess of the poor. The princess of the poor. <laughs> in the in Chicago. Jamie picked on today. Jamie Reckless Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Jamie. Say hi, Jamie. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, she just downed that whole beer, bro. Uh, she just uh, well, she has beer. You no, d- I you got it before. But oh, is that you what did. you had? Oh, yeah, right. yeah, but we wonder. Trying to pace me. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to the microphone. You and Bob can share that microphone. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very, very tough thing to do. As I was telling you before the podcast, people have the trouble talking in the microphones on this podcast. Yeah, don't be one of those people. Don't hostility. Other than I'm Callum, I'm Callum's the only good one. I'm. Uh, oh, I'm part of that. I'm very. Oh, I'm very bad. Did you guys at that. see Callum's Facebook Thank status? Thank you very much. <laughs> no, what did he say? Is he dead? It's weird. He's in Michigan. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> he changed his status to dead. He's dead. I'm dead to the world. Well, he said something about we and himself. I, mm-hmm. I didn't understand that. Well, he told <laughs> he, he told me that uh, we're gonna bang later. So what? via text. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. That liquor that, that kid. So awesome. Yeah. That kid. Hours. Ooh. Sure, it has for you. <laughs> man, I love that kid, man. Here goes my marriage. Love that kid. <laughs> You're not that, even married yet. That tall <laughs> kid, man. I'm wearing my ring for like the first time in months. Oh, dude, oh, you find I it? I told you you were creepy for not yes. wearing a ring. You did? Yeah. yeah at the, uh, right there. Oh, up here at the event. Last I was like, well, week. I think guys who don't wear rings are creepy. I'm, I'm not. Ta- and then you found it. <laughs> I don't have a ring to wear, so I'm good. We need to get to your love life later on. Maybe off the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if you want to meet me at Slightly Toasted on Monday evening, I might have somebody there you want to meet with. Um, there we go. But it is uh, September 11th. Oh, I just realized what day it was. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to celebrate Bourbon Heritage Month by drinking a lot of bourbon. I guess it's a pretty profound day to do that as well. And we're recording our 99th podcast. We are. Yeah. yeah. 99. Too bad we don't have 99 oh. whiskey here. Oh. I saw that one Gosh, oh. Wayne, get your oh ass man. over here. Come on. Pulled out of the U.S. Really? It's not they good did? times here. They pulled no. out all, all out of the U.S.? No, yeah, they fully pulled out of the U.S. Uh, so Jamie used to represent um, Gretzky's so they're Whiskey. they doing Canadian sales. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
Which, oh. good timing. We did it uh, a week before coronavirus, so. Oh. Oh. Or the shutdown. So it had I nothing guess. to do with coronavirus then? No. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Better then than now, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be still nice to have a bottle. Okay. Well, <laughs> didn't even know I was going to be here. <laughs> I have a question for Hopefully you. my boss isn't listening. Yes. Good timing. Very good timing. It's good timing. You're holding your 12, 12, 12, 15? Let's do 12, 15. Holding your up. Why don't we just push it back just a little bit? <laughs> well, we wanted to talk about bourbon during Bourbon Heritage Month because we don't really, as Wilson said, we don't focus necessarily on one type of whiskey. We're a very tangential yeah. podcast when it comes to conversation. Um, topics of conversation as well, anywhere from whiskey to the industry to bars and restaurants, how we're all going to survive this uh, pandemic, uh, Bears football, Cubs baseball, um, Everton soccer as well. <laughs> Wilson's new uh, pro- uh, profound or proclaimed uh, allegiance to Tottenham Hotspur. Hotspur. Oh, loser. Southside baseball team's having a g- pretty good season it's this true. year, too. Southside baseball team is having a They're good coming. season. They're coming. I see the hat. Jimmy's wearing a camouflage. They're coming, though. It's a, it's a, Socks that's, a talent, that's a talented baseball team they've got. Hey, I, I thought they only looked good on paper, but they're like, actually like, really like, coming to life on the field. Meeting. I liked it. As I was saying, tangential. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, we want to talk about bourbon uh, during Bourbon Heritage Month and kind of what bourbon means to us and how it all encompasses our our industry and our everyday lives essentially yeah. um i guess i'm really the only person here to do anything with bourbon on a uh, professional level <laughs> uh but you know from a what would we say i guess like a i don't know a side piece level more in my um, my free time i drink a lot of bourbon and then through Keena lake bourbon's a big part of my life and also used to work for bourbon distilleries too um, but yeah, so it's definitely going to be there. And yeah, we're having a, we have a full table of bourbons here, starting with Bardstown, Booker's, Pinhook, Makers, Weller, Old Grand Dex. You have to have that at a bar. Um, mm-hmm. Just uh, it's mandatory. You do. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, one of those staples. Yeah. So I guess the focus today will be about bourbon. I agree. Well, Chris, being that you are the urban bourbonist and you brought this lovely array of things for us to drink, and then Jake threw in the uh, Booker's. Kentucky Chew. Uh, where were Jamie already poured the Weller, so why don't we start with the Weller? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we could also talk about why you brought these bottles. We can also bottles. talk about sure. why you brought yeah. these bottles, yeah. But um, I guess, Chris, also, <laughs> to go along with being the urban bourbonist, uh, Sunday Night Fights is part of your um, Instagram profile, yeah. your online persona, if yeah. you will. With Mikey down in <laughs> uh, New Orleans, yeah. Uh, over Shout the last year, you've developed quite a, quite a following, quite a, quite a gathering of people based on, really, on bourbon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this whole whiskey community and the social media aspect of it has been like pretty much all consuming for me over the past little over a year now since I started my Instagram account just basically for fun and as like you know let me just see what this is all about and and kind of an outlet for me so bourbon is like hugely important to me because of you know the people that I've met like I've been on your podcast now how many times in the in the past year and I just absolutely love coming and talking about whiskey about bourbon um, and it's just become this really important thing in my life I've met so many really cool people everyone here at this table uh, minus Jamie <laughs> people no Jamie included and you know, your wife called me uh, the most interesting woman in the world. Yes, there you go. Who's there wife? you have it. Not mine. DJ. No. Okay. Good. My <laughs> wife. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've I've had the opportunity to meet 
like really incredible people who have become friends of mine, even though I haven't met them in person, mm. just meeting them through Instagram, like Mikey, for example, who I do Sunday night fights with. I've, I've never met him in person. Uh, hope to, you know, sometime once all of this is over, go down to New Orleans and spend some yeah. time with him. That's going to be a um, keen like road trip. Yes, I think that that's we, we definitely big, in order. We have a big plan of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I invited your wife. Yes. No, yes. <laughs> this all happened. Who invited yeah. you? Yeah. Ladies love me. <laughs> Ladies love me. Ladies love me. Girls adore me. I'm going to go up to J. Henry Sherman, hang out. Oh, yeah. Mm. I've never been. Have you guys? Oh, I've never been. New Orleans? No, to um, J. Henry. No, I've never been. No, never been to J. Henry. I lived in Wisconsin. Never went. Never went. They're barely around, though, when you were up there. I don't think they had, yeah, to the public. They were they were a whiskey, but I don't think they did, like, tastings and stuff. Yeah, they were in Wisconsin. Mm. Yeah. I don't know about Illinois. I don't think so. I think that was later. Um, But yeah, Chris, it is interesting how you don't meet these people, but there's still this really thriving community going on inside of it. You got it, Bobby. Yeah, it's it's really incredible to me. Like I I seriously have met people just doing this thing on Instagram through Bourbon that I, I really do consider to be good friends, and yet we haven't actually met in person so it's that's crazy it's really cool that way um so yeah the past the past year of kind of doing this has been really truly amazing Mm. and And also with the bourbon hour too uh how many episodes have you done of that uh the urban bourbon hour i've done i think last night was episode 22 or so of that so that i've been doing you know once to twice a month over the past over the past year um again bourbon has given me this creative outlet Mm -hmm. and and being able to do that uh, interview show being able to do the sunday night fight show even like simple things as these stickers like i made these you know beam (laughs) for president 2020 (laughs) stickers like that's all because of this creative outlet that 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 bourbon and and whiskey has has uh giving me given me over the past year so it's super important to me in that way what what would you say because of this community what is the one thing that surprised you surprised yourself about? Um, like, what did you discover something about yourself? You're like, holy shit, you know? I would say just the, I didn't um, realize I had like the, this creativeness inside me to, mm-hmm. to like create a interview show about whiskey. Mm-hmm. Like I never thought when I started the Instagram account. I I seriously just did it because I was starting to get a little bit more interested in whiskey and I was just kind of watching and seeing like what people were talking about. I never would have imagined that that would have led to, you know, an interview show, uh, a show where we uh, compare whiskeys to each other and and pick a winner and, and working with uh, a a charity that uh, bourbon charity Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, as an ambassador to raise money through bourbon for all these incredible um, charities so it's just been like this wild ride and i've just learned like a lot about myself in terms of like hey you can do creative things and and you have now have this outlet to kind of take those those things from my past like I have a journalism background so doing the interview show to me is like something I kind of had thought about like as going to school for journalism like 
you know, doing something in media mm-hmm. yeah. and then now doing it through social media is it's kind of mind blowing. Yeah. Do you think there could have been another another catalyst besides bourbon and whiskey uh, to drive us out of you, or was that the you know the main I factor? I don't know. I mean, it hadn't up until one year ago, so yeah. I don't know what it would have what it would have been. Yeah, possibly beer. I was hmm. I was certainly interested in mm-hmm. craft beer, um, but completely just dropped that and all in on on whiskey. Um, so it's 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 kind of amazing um, yeah. that it that it came like I had drank whiskey, but that it just became something that I decided like I'm gonna kind of like go all in on this and explore it and and see what I like and dislike and um, it's turned into something I never would have imagined. Yeah. It's such a conversation starter. Um, I mean, for Wilson and I, obviously we've talked about it quite a bit, how we became friends through whiskey while working at a distillery together. But what the, our conversations for me led to was how much passion I really had based around this. You know, I have, I have my grandfather worked at Beam and all that stuff. But at the same time, I didn't know that it meant so much to me and how important it was to me at, at, at that time and how much dedication and passion I had based inside of it and when I yeah. got to do distillery tours and talk to people about it people are like how do you know so much how, why do you know this so much it's you to school for this like there is no school for whiskey oh there kind of is now yeah. in a way but there's no four-year degree to go to and get whiskey the, the main thing you just do is you just basically throw yourself into it and you learn like from a bar from a distillery from whatever it may be from online now yeah then um, yeah. having That's those true. conversations about hey this means a lot to me and then you realize it means so much to this, this country I mean, it's a foundation of this country. Big time. Well, native spirit. I mean, and to piggyback off what you just said, Jake, you know, for me, it was it was something I've always wanted to do something that was hands on, minds on. I always felt that that was the best way, the best road for me as far as in to for personal success and career success. But I've always was fascinated by the five senses Mm. and in working uh, at Cobal when we did together that was the first time that I've had all five senses in in, co- in co- cohesiveness, is it? Yeah. And where I'm using Synergy. them all, yeah, it, it just, I'm like, this, I found home. This is where, this is what I'm supposed to be, do. This is what I'm supposed to do. Because I was f- finally able to use all five senses at the same time. Would you say the touch really came from being inside of a distillery? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I tell that to people all the time. It's like, well, how did you come into that? And I was like, listen, the biggest thing that I took away from that was being literally having our, our hands on the process, yeah. mm-hmm. having our hands on the grain. And that aroma around you every day. Yeah, and we're now yeah. it every day. This, you learn what the smell, what, what point in the distillation you are in because of the cell, or the, the mashing right. where you're at. It's so many intricacies that were fascinating. The science is something that I'm still weak about, but <laughs> I'm still open to try to understand. But the, the actual pr- basic principles and foundation of whiskey, you have to learn from the inside to, in order to really personally appreciate what comes into the bottle um, in all so many different ways. That's why there's 2,000 micro distilleries because everyone's doing it a different way right. because they found interest in it. It's like, well, this is the way I find it. I'm expressing myself through that process. Uh, one of the most natural things that we can also consume and also buy because nothing goes into it. So hmm. aside from weed, <laughs> I, was, I don't know anything else that is as natural as this, personally. Cheers to that. Yeah, I think the first the first time that I pulled up 
But I, you pull up to a distillery, big distillery, and the first mm-hmm. time I did that, and you, you get that smell in the air. Oh, there was, I'll always remember that moment. Right, it's, right. It sounds so silly. No. But no. really, I'll always, I'll always remember that and being like, oh. And then I think to that point, getting there was and seeing the distilleries is is a brings you a whole nother level of appreciation yeah. for what they do and what goes into the product. I couldn't agree more, Bob. Yeah. I mean, like I've talked about it a lot, and I've wrote about it on the website how being a kid at Jim Beam and. I remember that smell. And when I remember the first time I walked in the Cobalt for my interview, it came back to me like that. Like, oh my gosh, right. that's that smell when I remember as a kid. And yeah. I was probably seven or eight years old the last time I was at Jim Beam before that. And been to a couple of small distilleries, but, and a lot of breweries, but it was something about being in the community where you live and that, that company making that whiskey right there and mm-hmm. having that, like that family impact, which I was walking into, which my grandfather was a part of back in the eighties, nineties and early two thousands. That was something so reminiscent about it and probably romanticized as well. But at the same time, really just draws you in. That smell, yeah. that aroma is something you don't forget. Yeah. And then you see, like, yeah, you see, like, the like family's kids are playing in a yeah. park and, you yeah. know, and they got their own little playground <laughs> yeah. for the kids while the parents are working. And then that everybody has their lunch office. break. And, <laughs> and it's something that seems so – I've said this before in the in podcasts and talking about different distilleries and whether it's in Scotland or – Especially in Kentucky as well, but like the it seems so grand, right? Yeah. But like at its core, it's a very family, you know. Whether they're still mm-hmm. independent and family owned or or not, you know, there's still that kind of like footprint in the distillery itself, there which is. is pretty cool to see. I agree. I you think know. Wild Turkey um, is the family owned and operated distillery that. Well, just I think Wild Turkey is the epitome of that. What you just said, Bob. Um, you go there. It's not. It's big, of course. But there's nothing shiny about it, you know. It's you got vast, uh, you know, uh, just uh, vast amounts of rickhouses, you know. Then you've got what they built on after the years. Mm-hmm. But when you go inside, you're expecting something really sh- hot and shiny and shit, and you're just like, that's it. But I appreciated that because it right. was still, hey, they make one thing. That's it. This is what we. What you see is what you get, and you know what? One of the best. Period. You know, yeah. so it's just it's it's amazing. It's well, amazing. And you experience that pers- f- firsthand while speaking, well, while listening to Mr. Russell talk about correct the whiskey. And yeah. like, this is what we do. Like this is the one thing we do, and we do it really well. Yeah, yeah, so that's yes, true. They do. <laughs> that was one of the one of the blessings that we that I I personally keep very close to within myself and and mind. And I always think back to when times get tough. Yeah, you know, especially in our business, you think back just like well. You know, Jimmy's been around, what, 66 years now? You know, As of yesterday? As of, yeah. Thank you. And, right. you know, I'm like, fuck, I'm only anniversary five years in. Yeah. That's oh, cool. my God. Yeah. I wish I was a fly on that wall, man. <laughs> that conversation in there, man. Yeah. Sorry it's, to interrupt you. No, it's cool. No, no. It's, 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 I mean, we've said these things before. And I, I can't re. I don't mind having, having to reiterate it because mm. when you talk about it, it's a different emotion. Uh, we can have the same conversation tomorrow and something else would come from that because it's in the state of what we're currently in right now. The weather's changing. Yeah, good point, man. You know what I'm saying? We got our friends around us, you know. Uh, we've got an unexpected friend that, that showed up, you know, with Jamie. Maybe. Who's taking a call right now. <laughs> you know, Being so it's, very professional. Yeah, and it's, it's just one of those things, you know, and I th- and that's what I love about whiskey and, and, and the five senses because uh, uh, for some reason, Personally, whiskey brings those all, to use the word you used before, just synergizes everything. Yeah. We can have a dram together, and all is fucking well. 
it's fucking awesome. It's oh. just amazing. That's a good point. I it's mean, a like, journey. and for me personally, like, I've taken the route to the world whiskey um, away from bourbon, but bourbon's still, like I said, a huge part of my life, and it's the most it's uh, most frequent whiskey I drink style of whiskey that I prefer. The most bottles I have at home is bourbon, probably where I spend majority of my money when it comes to barrel picks or single uh, cast selections or ser- searching out something. When it comes to like uh, the B tax or the Wellers, um, even Booker's now it's getting. I mean, eighty five dollars now. Yeah, it's man. not. It's not a sixty eight dollar bottle of whiskey anymore. Yep. Yeah. Or sixty five dollar bottle of whiskey. Although I did find it at a bar in Indianapolis just before the shutdown for uh, it was either eight or nine dollars for a two ounce pour of Kentucky Chew. So Sweet. I drank a lot of that that night. <laughs> yeah. I love I love those finds. Right. Right. Yeah. And people always ask me like, oh, are you gonna go back into bourbon? Or are you gonna try to like do like Scotch next or something like that? And for me, I'm very yeah. I'm very com- like content where I am right now because I yeah. love my company. Um, but yeah, like bourbon, something you kind of always want to come back home to in a yeah. way. And for me, right now, that's well just said. that's tasting it and talking yeah. to it, talking about it, and talking to it a little and bit. Talking to yeah. it a little bit, I mean, yeah. We all talk like, to uh, it. I mean, hello, hello. shit. I mean, Booker, I talk to it all doing? the time. I mean, it's like <laughs> I'm having fucking sex with it sometimes right. half the time <laughs> when I'm saying. Sometimes I get Bob Ross. Sometimes I get you know porn. Right. You know. Oh, sometimes you know. I get you know Candyman. You know. I mean, I get so many fucking emotions. I'm talking real right now. I mean, like this pin hook is a straight ba- fucking orange slice. I was just gonna say right we're now, gonna bro. we're gonna about to go into yes. your uh, love making whiskey. Yeah, well, romantic love making yeah. whiskey. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna get it into not some a rye, but not a rye. This is their bohemian. Uh, but it's bourbon. cool to see the generations of whiskey that we have, a bourbon oh. that we have here. You yeah. know, we have nice. we have oh, yeah. we have the foundation of the Beam family and then Samuels family and yeah. going on with Booker, where he was the you know one of the developers of when it came to single cast selection and making yeah. really making craft whiskey in a way, yeah. small batch whiskey and with Wellers as well. Uh, Weller being here, at Weller Stitzel, then also old granddad being a part of the Beam family, and then yeah. we go to the new generations that. Both makers represents, but so do Pinhook and Bardstown being as smaller new distilleries. Yeah, mm-hmm. well said. Yeah. That's a very good ob- observation that you made. You're right. We've got a lot of great old school stuff and a lot of new school stuff. It's like Migo said, not a whole lot of old money over here, but we got a whole lot of new money, new money. going. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I don't know who Mr. Migos is, but oh, the Migos, man, out I'm of the ATO. Joking. Oh, okay. I was I'm trying bad. to sound lame, ironically, gotcha. no, be you're cool. Not, you're not fun. You're not lame, bro. You're not lame. I'm a little bit lame. This is straight up so one yeah. of those candy orange slices. Yeah. Is this the newest release? Oh. Yes. So we are drinking Pinhook Bohemian Bourbon. This is the uh, 90 proof, 95 proof version that just uh, has been released. Um, they released a high proof version of this uh, a few months back that was 140. 14 proof, I think. Yeah, the magenta. Yeah, magenta uh, wax. Mm. This is the orange wax. This is... Um, Candy orange. Yeah, man. Straight up, I, I say orange popsicle. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just a mm-hmm. citrus yeah. bomb. Uh, such a great release. Oh, and yeah. It's what Orange Julius should have made their company out of. Seriously. <laughs> this was, I think, the only, only the third ever distillate to come out of Castle and Key. Oh, okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. the first two releases, the High Proof Bohemian Bourbon, and they released a rye called Ride On. Ride On. Right on. Um, those mm-hmm. were the first two releases ever out of the new Castle and Key distillery. Correct. Um, Pinhook is now um, contract distilling with Castle and Key for these new releases, also releasing some of the uh, MGP stocks Which they is have awesome. under other... Yeah. Other um, still aging there, right? Yeah, <coughs> aging at Castle and Key. Yeah. 
Um, Which we all should have invested into when oh, they did. Seriously. God. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, Sean Joseph, um, I, I love that his background comes through his whiskey. Mm. Yeah. Um, he, wine and cooking. I, yeah, it's just amazing. Oh, I, restaurant touring. Yeah. I mean, sommelier, restaurateur, uh, bourbon fanatic. It just comes through, and not a lot of uh, bottles do that as you far as on the bourbon, master bourbon, blenders bourbon or tasters. Hour, right. yeah. yeah, he was just on last week. Uh, oh, yeah. Second right. time he, he was on the uh, show. Um, kind of talking about these new releases and everything they have going on. Um, it's one of those brands that... He'll be a part of the New Orleans trip, by the way. Yes, yeah. he <laughs> lives in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. He lives there. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those brands that I find to be super authentic. Mm. And what I, I, we've—I'm pretty sure we've talked about <laughs> Pinhook like every single time I've been here. So, so yeah, I, yeah. I sound like I—I I like work for them. I don't, um, but it—it's—I just have a connection to them because they are so authentic, and I've developed a relationship with right. with Sean and transparency's and, yeah. big with them. Oh, for sure. And they're all about yeah. They want to tell you exactly what what they're putting out they make no bones about contract mm-hmm. distilling at castle and key with with these new products they've never tried to hide the fact that they yeah. started with MGP. mgp yep that's awesome and um it, it's just one of those brands that i think if anyone is out there that has a brand or is thinking of starting a brand like they're one it's of the ones blueprint. to look at as a model yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing i pinhook to me is a love-hate relationship i'm gonna say it right now sean <laughs> you and i We'll see. We'll see each other soon. Um, but um, he knows I'm joking. No, but the point <laughs> of this is like I came up across Pinhook up against Pinhook a lot when they first mm. uh, launched into Illinois and and doing my sales calls. I'm like, what the fuck, you know? I'm a horse. They're a horse, of course, <laughs> you know. So I'm like, Jesus. what the hell is going on here? And it, I got so not frustrated, but I got so I don't know what state I was in. I took a trip to Kentucky to find out. Um, when I found out that Pinhook was being uh, blended and and you know and, and aged, you know at Castling Key, um, I was fortunate enough that that weekend that I went, they were having a pilot uh, tasting uh, or pilot program saying, hey, kind of like uh, the distiller series where mm. you got to understand Pinhook in this case from its inception to how they do things. And once I went through that, which was a three-hour, which turned into a five-hour evening after the fact. How was um, that, Wilson? Oh, because I just stayed after. I was the last person there, and I kept asking questions, and, and I was able to taste barrels, and I was able to tell you, you know, just really, truly, really dive in deep in regards to Pinhook, and it was kick-ass. So I walked away becoming a fan, and with the same appreciation that Chris just mentioned, uh, just such a genuosity and, and transparency that they they do everything in. It's true passion. It's true art, uh, craftsmanship, um, and it it pays a nod to uh, Kentucky in a sense where pin hooking is it was where obviously it was born. In, you know, it's, it's it's something that's done in Lexington to be exact, and and just. And, but it allows for everyone else who produces bourbon to follow suit. I, I don't know. I'm saying a lot of things. No. But, oh, and shout out to Sean because that orange syrup that uh, you shared with, um, that he did an IG thing in, um, called Orange Crush. Uh, yeah. Thanks for the hangover. Greatly appreciate that, brother. It was <laughs> great. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to reiterate, it's one cup of orange juice, one cup sugar. After that's all said and done, throw in about, he uses two to three cloves. I threw in about 12 to let steep. Jesus. Took them out, 
Oh, I tell you what, it was to add to what? To add to an old fashioned. Oh, on crushed ice. That's what I did. I went to Sonic, got a crushed ice, and I used this exact bourbon. Forget about it. Then I used my bourbon because we're a horse as well. And uh, I'm I'm just saying, man, it was it was just as good, if not better. Just saying. <laughs> it's a pay promotion brought to you by Pinhook. Sorry about that. I Seriously. can't get those last ten minutes back. So no, that's all good. <laughs> Don't worry about that. I'm glad. I hope your uh, hope your bosses aren't listening. And the quality of the juice is, is lights out too. I mean, that's another really that's another aspect of that it, as well. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Pick good barrels. I mean, there's lots of yeah. when your when your contract distilling, there's still an art to picking good barrels, blending, mm-hmm. yep. um, everything in house that comes about that because. Yeah, you can be some Joe Schmo off the street and go pay yeah. a lot of money for some whiskey barrels, but if you don't know what you're doing after the fact when you have those barrels, mm-hmm. and then also you don't have the aesthetic appeal which they have to their labeling and bottle shape, which is the background with the you know the wine bottle shape where he, his yeah. background is based in, and then also with the pin hooking and the horse aspect. But then yeah. having a very inviting label, no one's gonna buy your Works. juice. Yeah. Yep. Might buy a bottle, not gonna go buy a second one. Yep. Yeah. And here's a, I'm gonna throw a name out here and, and be on a I lookout for this. It's Brett Connors. Look. Keep your ear and eye open, mouth for that. He's the, uh, he was the one of the original ambassadors for Castle and Key mm. um, as they start developing their brand. Um, but he's also kind of uh, has hands on of helping Sean develop and, oh, cool. and blend. So that's I think still he's, at Castle and Key. He's still at yeah, Castle. Yeah, he's yeah. on the Castle and Key side, but he helps uh, Sean. You know, like sends Sean his his dozens yep. upon dozens of samples and takes notes and, and helps him out. But Sean ultimately makes decisions, of course. But I think uh, the assistance of Brett having him there at the distillery yeah. is something I, I feel that's a that's a name that's and an individual um, that is one to look out for. Don't forget Wilson Torres either. Oh yeah, don't forget mine. Don't you worry don't about it. Wilson. If we may transition, may I? Yeah, of course, okay. absolutely. Bob, um, being predominantly a Scotch bar um, based in that, where does bourbon as a category fit in you personally? Uh, so personally, to me, I mean, it was one of the. You know, in learning about whiskey and uh, discovering the distilleries and then learning about mash bills, uh, learning about what brands come from what distilleries, all of a sudden I was like, oh, man, this is really different. And it's different than not that I I was kind of learning it all at the same time, scotch and bourbon and whiskey in general. And so uh, seeing the differences between bourbon, rye, American single malts, Mm. scotch, 100% malted barley. And then, you know, diving into bourbons, oh, this distillery, oh, and this distillery makes this product, this distillery makes this product. It became a fun sort of challenge just to start researching that, learning the mash bills, doing tastings. Um, I thought it was a, you know, and and while, yes, we maybe have like the scotch, more of a predominant scotch bar, huge single malt list, still have a couple hundred bourbons easy, um, and and bourbon sales are, are still... Are still king. Bourbon barrel picks as well. Uh, bourbon barrel picks as well. We started picking out single barrels uh, in 2010, uh, so 10, 10 years ago. Um, and so bourbon was always. Real good. Uh, bourbon was always a, a f- a still a focus of our of our of our bar. Um, and so for me, like I kind of fell over the aid. There's also it's a it's a little bit closer just geographically, so yeah. it's easier to to get sure. to. It's <laughs> easier to it's easier to understand. Uh, kind of what it means for the communities mm. and for the economy and in the Midwest and, and certainly in Kentucky uh, as a whole. And then seeing kind of Louisville kind of a, a resurgence of, of right. Louisville and over the last 10 to 12, 15 years where the bourbon, you know, I mean, in 2003, they were giving away cases of Elmer T. Lee, yeah. literally giving yeah. away. Case. Yeah. I, mean, bu- I mean, my brother Aaron, like buy one case, get two free. 
Yeah. In 2003. That's, that's unreal. That that was happening. At Bar Buena. At Bar Buena, yeah. And we carried the full line of full line of BT and oh, it was like we had to, they were like handing it out. Wow. And to see where that's come from, even for me, I mean when he, when Aaron was doing that I was 16, so I didn't, you know, yeah, but right. to just to talk to him and to see where that's come and where it's grown now where I get one bottle of Elmer T. Lee every couple months that costs me $28. And on the exact same day, I see a post of a place in Evergreen Park that's selling it for 250 at a bargain. Right. Uh, insane. Literally in the same day that happened a couple, like week I'm or sure. two weeks yeah. ago. And I was like, that's it was amazing. like their price, re- their price was 250 Retail price was quote unquote 350 I, I And I got a bottle and it was $28. Same my, thing my happened bar me last cost. weekend. I went and bought a Just bottle of amazing. Eagle Rare at our good friend Cush's place, Leo's in Mayfair, for $38, whatever he charges for it. Nothing crazy at yeah. all. And then I was down at a different place in Chicago, more near the north side, and or central part of Chicago, and they were going to charge me $65 for a bottle of the right. rare and ninety dollars for a bottle of special reserve. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I would think you're. So, having, I think you're kind of backwards. So it's right. So it's uh, it's been. Uh, I and I've fallen in love yeah. with it too. And 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 just in terms of you know different brands that are coming out and different products and then talking to people and having fun conversation about that and even if it's. You know, if we happen to be out of stock on a bourbon that somebody's looking for, well, then I yeah. can get them into something else that's coming from the same, right. you know, that's the same distillate. And while each whiskey is still going to be different, you're still going to have a similar flavor profile, something that you can get somebody into. And so it's been fun in being able to serve that product and being right. bartending and talking to people about it. I remember from the, one of our very first conversations, I think it might have been the first one you were on like 70 episodes ago. Um, one thing that stuck <laughs> with me a lot was how you talked about you were forced to go restock everything in the bar um, down in the basement in the stock room and have like a personal touch with every single one of those bottles oh, yeah. and get a relationship yeah. that what you knew, what you had in, had in, um, in stock, where Wilson was talking about us having that physical touch inside of a distillery, mm-hmm. that kind of comes with that fifth sense or whatever, what part of the sense is to you, um, that touch aspect in the bar, working in a bar, not just you know making drinks and serving drinks, but actually knowing what you have and then going to the, doing the research to what that bottle really represents right yeah that was it was and that was something that when i started learn this was like i was you know very very green in this in this aspect and and working at a bar and i was like wow this is going to be challenging and this is going to be oh yeah and i and then fell in love with the taste and, and started to i always enjoyed whiskey but certainly didn't know you know didn't know yeah four roses from bullet or anything <laughs> you know so it's like so to really dive into it, it's been a it's been a blast uh, I love it. That's great. And uh, we're kind of all over the map here now. Wilson and I have little makers going old school. Chris just poured a well, our special reserve. Bob is empty. Jamie's still nowhere to be found. Jamie's on my day. Bob and I are uh, like Jamie's. Uh, drink ahead of you guys. Oh, yeah, I think Jamie's, so. yeah. Jamie's yeah. drinking all the whiskey talking. downstairs. Probably. Makers is something can that I, buy I, a beer? Can buy just, a I can never get on board with. Really? Uh, no disrespect. Yeah, it's just it just really hits me weird right here. You know said that. It's in right. the jaw. And um, I'm giving it another try because, hey, you know, it's a, like I said, today is a different day. And, it, you know, everything that's going on right now and being together, I mean, it's actually going down like circus peanuts. Nice. I've always been a fan of what you just said about it, too, yeah. that weediness to it. But it's a gorgeous facility. Oh, yeah. oh, I have so not seen. I've not been. New limestone. Makers um, they cut gorgeous. into there yeah. uh, to make the facility into there. Oh, it's great. But which we were I think we were going to plan on going down there actually this weekend. But then the Beam Distillery is closed because um, of COVID. So working for, or not working for, but 
living with a woman that works for Beam. <laughs> married, lovely married, uh, happily married to a woman who works for Beam. Um, those connections were lost rather quickly <laughs> once they all closed down. Uh, so, but we post- we're postponing our trip. Another key late trip to be postpo- postponed. Another postponed. The thing that was uh, one of the not that and, and a lot of distilleries will do this certainly if you ask them, but uh, and makers when we went down there is that they gave us a, a whole array of a bunch of a lot of different bourbons to taste, yeah. and then we would taste them, and then taste makers, and then taste makers white dog. Mm-hmm. We would they'd have like their yeast they would have. Kind of for that yep. we could smell yep. just like the, the, you know, fresh wort um, cool. compared to a lot of other brands. And so that was just a fun uh, kind of aspect where a lot of some of the distilleries might want to just focus on mm-hmm. their products, which they have a, a lot of them. And maybe that's the aspect is makers has makers. Right. Yep. So like yeah. if you're going to do a tasting, you bring in other brands. <laughs> so, 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 so it's like here's White Dog, here's Makers and here's 46. And, sure. yeah. you know, so yeah. that, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that's why they do that. <laughs> I <laughs> forget I Phil's last name, the former rep of Makers. Uh, he used to work at Laman and Eagle. Yeah. You know, it's red hair. He lives in California now. Um, but he did such a great job about that, always at presentations, wherever I was at, was bringing all these selections of Makers and trying these barrel selects and trying, like you said, various forms of Makers Mark to really get to the core bottle at the end of the day. Um, and I know there was a whole you know, uh, upheaval when 46 came out and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. I actually like 46 a lot. I, I don't mind the spiciness elevation to it. Yeah. Um, kind of makes me a little bit more... Uh, yeah, it fills my glass a little bit more, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 would, I would agree with you. The 46 one, I did try it that day uh, when they, um, they took over Wrigley Field that one time. Mm. Um, and I hit it up. I'm like, got to try it, you know. And the 46, I was like, ah. That was your first time having it. Yeah. About a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was over a year ago. And I'm like, I enjoy that. I enjoy the 46. The autograph label you bought me, the frame broke, like, right after you got it. Fell fell off a shelf. Well, we'll get you a new one. Oh, no, I have it. I still have the label. We can get you a new frame. It's in the the, uh, Jim Beam section of the shelf. I feel like it takes um, a lot of space. <laughs> Makers and even the Weller Special Reserve. Now those aren't two bottles that I'm really drinking a, a ton of, mm. and there's no real reason why. It's just there's so many options. Yes, but I I feel like Makers and Special Reserve sort of fall victim to their popularity yeah. and and how For different ways. Yeah. And yeah, and definitely in different ways. Makers, it's everywhere. It's right. on every shelf, every, every bar. single yeah, bar. Every, every not, I mean, there's almost no. It's indelible. Uh, yeah. Regardless of whatever it's bar you go to, they right. almost will always have makers. They will have makers. Any liquor store you walk into will have makers on the shelf. And part of the reason why I think people don't give makers a lot of love is because of its. Yeah how ubiquitous it is it's everywhere yep and it's a really good whiskey and i and i just popped this bottle for the first time tonight and it's the first time i've had makers in a really really long time Mm. and now that it's here in my glass and i drank it it's good it's a really Mm. good bourbon and when i walk into a bar and it's not a regularly (laughs) good whiskey selection i know that i can have even though i don't see it i can say can i get a maker's knee so it's like a safety school yeah and (laughs) if you're in a bar and say that give me a maker's knee and they don't have it then that's when you turn around and you walk out of the bar give me a white claw yeah don't come to the black sheep then then they don't even have turkey they don't have makers there they don't have makers or turkey there who doesn't 
the the the, the watering hole that but by my own. place. Yeah. Really Makers or turkey? Yeah, bad. yeah, it's what, weird. Jack Jameson, Jim. Uh, Jack Jamie, not even Jim. What? No Jim Beam. I have I have I have Jack for sure, but no Jim Beam. Huh. Wow. It's weird. It's travesty. It's very weird. Um, but you know, one of the things that we also have to make note, though, gentlemen, is the fact that the Weller and the Makers is a category in its own because it's a weeded whiskey, yeah, a weeded yeah. bourbon, right. and that's a very slim category already. Well, it's a rising category now. Yes. Well, rising now yeah. because Which of the popularity. Which too why we have these two bottles here because yes. you're doing one of the original original weeded challenges with the next yeah. show of uh, Sunday Night Fights. Yeah, yep. so Sunday we are uh, putting these two uh, up against each other, Maker's Mark and um, Weller Special Reserve. Weller, of course, calls itself the original weeded bourbon. That's probably true. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's 100% true. And then, of course, Maker's Mark is like a, a legendary bourbon in itself, but right. on top of it, it is a weeded uh, whiskey and kind of, I think kind of um, led the way for that category right. in mm. all of bourbon, weeded bourbon. It also Even helped in the 1950s when they started, they actually wrote down the recipes versus <laughs> yes, in exactly. the 1800s when nobody was writing down recipes. <laughs> <but> exactly. <yeah. laughs> and um, just two absolutely classic bottles. And, and we were sort of hesitant to put a Weller product um, on a Sunday Night Fights mm. because we're all about stuff that's accessible right. mm-hmm. and that people can find that is not really expensive and kind of getting back to my point before about how these maybe people don't talk about as much because they're victims of their own popularity, Weller Special Reserve is is right there in that category because it's not easy for people to find. Mm-hmm. Um, Buffalo Trace, I think, is is purposely not putting as much product into the market that they could. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Thank you for saying but it. Even, but even the green label, here in Chicago, it's pretty easy to come by. Like, I see it on the regular at a, at a decent price. But you go around the country, and even the green label, which is considered... What, what Weller would consider their bottom yeah. shelf product in that lineup is impossible to come by. Right. Mm-hmm. And you also see it. We $95. It, yeah, yeah, we mentioned it here today. Like, people are selling this bottle for 95 If you do want it for a good price, though, in Chicago, Bitter Pops has about six to eight of them, around $40 a bottle. So uh, $50 yeah. a bottle. Oh, $50 a bottle. Yeah, yeah. $49.99. No, that was for the Eagle Rare. Honestly, that's even high. Um, Oh, I, th- I think it said it was like sorry, $40. Sorry, yes, $39.99 yes, for the yeah. Weller. Sorry. Yeah. So right. you can walk into, I won't name the store that gets these on the regular, and the Weller should be under $30. The green label should be under $30. Right. It was and a $28 bottle of whiskey four years ago. Yeah. And um, it, it's just one of those things. So anyway, that's why we put these two together because, I mean, they – if you talk about weeded whiskey, I mean, the first two things you have to talk about are Makers and, and Weller, and being that Special Reserve and Makers are are right there on that same level in terms of uh, where pricing should be yep. and it's the same proof and, and everything. It's it's an exciting matchup. Uh, it, it should be fun, fun to do, and I think two bottles that people forget about, but two bottles that a, a lot of people have. Yeah. I, before I reconnected with beam in my past my heritage uh 
makers for me was always that step up from Jim Beam, like having a really good whiskey where white label, it's white label for a reason. Um, okay. It's out there, you know, it's not the best whiskey. It's $15 for, for a reason. But yeah. Black Label's a phenomenal $20 buy of whiskey. $20 for buy sure. Um, and Absolutely. Ex- extra aged, eight year. That's what my grandpa drank. That's what I, one of the very first bourbons I ever had was that. So a little pop and proof point. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. But um, Makers kind of was that step up from there, kind of being a part of the Beam family. Um, and then Weller I have a love-hate relationship with. I, I honestly <laughs> didn't really get my hands on any until a well, couple had, of years ago. You had a bottle of Antique. Yeah, that you're um, just not a fan of, but you had no, it. no, no. Actually, Special Reserve is what I'm, I have a love hate relationship with. Oh, okay. It's it's I you know I and Mikey and I have talked about it a little on online through messages about there's just like coppery taste towards the end, and I always want to like it. The nose is great. It's I like weeded whiskeys. I like wheat in general, um, just as a grain. I always loved our wheat whiskey over at Coval. It was just so interesting. Just an easy thing to drink. Now I wouldn't have paid fifty dollars for it, but getting it for free, different story. Yeah, it was silky. <laughs> it, it was a, there was a silkiness to it. Right, and it, and it really added to the four grain. Yeah. That was the biggest, biggest yeah. thing with it over there. It's true. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, but I always find it like okay, yeah, I'm gonna reach for it on the shelf. I have it open a lot. I don't mind like even taking a pull out of it you know just myself yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh but it's not, it never leaves me satisfied where like the 12 does the 12 i think is one of those bottles that's really great it's i don't want to say it's worth the hunt but it's worth the uh, 65 dollars yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 that's uh, it's my favorite of the wellers 34 dollars right but exactly but now you have to pay 60 dollars for it probably and that's you know that's do you if you don't mind like, how much do you buy it as a restaurant 34 dollars okay so you so you'd be 56 dollars or no about Not even forty six dollars. Yeah. 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 On the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. It should be. And if, and if somebody, if and if you know, if you go to, you got just a couple bottles, you put it at fifty nine ninety nine. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate to buy a Weller right. twelve yeah. for sixty bucks. Right. Like, oh, I, no. and that's, I don't think that's being unreasonable. What was Kush selling pl- it for right. that day? Uh, around, around there, right? I, it was. I think under. See, I think it was fifty. It was under fifty. Under bucks. But you only had yeah. three bottles. Because I remember yeah. I, I was texting that's you. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck. And then they went, you know, what? Well, yeah, those know. are the first three bottles that went. Yeah. But again, that that lineup is. I mean, if Weller thinks that a bottle of Special Reserve is worth, you know, twenty eight dollars um, mm. retail price, then that's what it's worth. They think that it's worth that. You, sh- honestly, I. I'm very fed up with them as a with <laughs> Buffalo Trace as a as a company, but. Glad someone else said it. But uh, um, these bottles are not worth the prices that they're going for. I think it goes back to what we were talking about Pinhook. It's complete transparency there. Yes. I was at the distillery three years ago, Buffalo Trace, and they they were actually bottling Blanton's that day. And you'd be like... Why is this hard to find? Well, they bottle Blanton's every day. Right, right. I mean, they, they it's 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 out there. It's I, I, they're they're purposely, yep. I think, suppressing certain markets. Yeah. Yep. Um, and just supply in general, just because they can. They can. Well, and yep. I hear, and this was last summer when I was probably listening to this conversation with the Van Winkles. They're saying like, well, we don't mark, we don't make money from that secondary market. Well, that's true, you don't, and it, right directly, but. What's with and all these pappy like T-shirts, hats, uh, syrups? Everything you can customize into a, a merch product is out there. Well, that's where your money's coming from. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and they're supposedly against the secondary market. The right. Van Winkle family, you know, they claimed that they shut down the secondary market 
you know, last last summer that you know they were behind like the Facebook pages right. getting closed down, et cetera, et cetera. And fine, but they're in bed with a company that I fully feel like is all in support of the secondary market. Yeah. For what reason? I don't know. It's just, I guess, to maintain the popularity of their their products. Um, And and we felt that. And again, going back to the the support thing of and you know supporting those brand these brands for seventeen years. Yeah. Mm And then all of a sudden, there was a year where we weren't even notified that. It was like, no, no, it doesn't matter. Like, it, what matters is how much Fireball you sell. So was there a gonna, or we, we've done vodka or Wheatley yeah, Vodka or anything vodka, else, and yeah. this is going to determine, you know, like. And then I was told, one, this was when I was at Bar and Wayne, like, well, you know, X and X bar that is not a bourbon, not a whiskey bar. Like, they might not want their Buffalo Trace antique collection, so maybe you got to get a couple more bottles. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Fuck you. Like, that's, like, we're the Sorry. ones, we're, we're, we're promoting your best products. We're selling your best products. You sell yourself You would want your bar. best products right. to be at those accounts. Right. Well said. You know, and uh, we've done eight single barrels with Buffalo Trace, six with Weller, and we're still f- getting, you know, the... Is that when the whole point system kind of came into yeah, play? Yeah, okay. yeah. That was uh, maybe... F- Five years ago, it's like season yeah. ticket holders now. Like we're like, like, like how that. much money do you and need I, to the program to get your seats back? At some point, I do understand. Like you know, if I was only if I only brought in one case of Buffalo Trace a year, I shouldn't right. just get whatever pappy I want just because I supported. Like I, I do understand a, a certain aspect of it, but in the other aspect, there's got to be there's got to be something than just than just what these numbers right. say. Um, like, and right. from the, the other company, I mean. Brought in fifty cases of, of a single barrel of scotch. Ah. From that's from that that's under that same portfolio. Yeah, same portfolio. And that doesn't oh, yeah. that doesn't move that, the that needle rings, at all. That rings. No, that, that doesn't ring. No. no, it doesn't ring. You know, which is well. So yeah, there's you know. Do you feel that's because of culture, the drinking culture right now? I mean, uh, obviously we all know here at this table we know the decades and what decades things were hot and not, and now that we are now entering, well now we are. In possibly going into the second decade of popularity, returning to bourbon, uh, weeded or just regular straight bourbon, as, as stated by the the uh, f- federal government in '64, do you feel that it's culturally driven then, or is it just is it? I mean, because you can be a 65 year old dude right now still drinking the pappy because that's what he always drank and or the blantons or you could be the 30 plus year old who's just getting into bourbon and he's told to do that so Mm. is it a cultural thing or is it a marketing scheme on the sense on behalf of b tech where they're just like you know what we still got people like it's like coke we still market, 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 market to keep that marketing. going. In it's terms the return of, of Jamie Duffy. It's, it's, yeah. it's also not it's, it's indirect <laughs> marketing as well. There. Well, because, of course. Because, I mean, there's, because an, the internet, there's an influence right. already and always involved. I have a 30. Like, you're describing one of my friends right now who is a 30-year-old, new to drinking bourbon, new to drinking good whiskey, and all he goes to every bar and asks for his bottle of Blanton's. He's always asking, yeah. like, where can I get well or what can I get Eagle Rare or where can I get this? Well, it's like, the same as being, like, hung up on the oh, um, age back. statement. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> getting hung up on age statement is Do you know a what I mean? Where it's like, too. oh, no, oh, you don't have anything under five years? I'm like, you, you didn't taste it right. yet. Like, yeah. you could totally love young whiskey or really well-made young whiskey. Well said. And well there's said. some older whiskeys that I'm, I'm like, it, it doesn't work for me, mm. you know? 
So I do know. So is it then marketing? I think it's marketing. I think it's marketing. It's marketing. Right. It definitely has to have like some clout behind it before you can raise that price point and add ah. the marketing. It's taking to advantage it, of the marketing too. It's a lot of it has to do with that. Like I was saying, my friend who comes in, like, how do you even know about these bottles, but you don't know about Pinhook? I brought up, like, I brought up, I brought up a bottle of uh, Balcony's Baby Blue, like iconic craft favorites? whiskey. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's one of the best craft whiskeys, one of the first craft whiskeys out there that really kind of made a name for itself nationally. And you know, it's now it's like a thirty-eight dollar bottle of whiskey, which is yeah. fucking fucking fantastic. And he's like, I've never had this before. This is so good. I'm like, yeah, you can. You don't have to go searching inside of those the Buffalo Trace side of the bourbon section or wherever it may be to find good whiskey. Yeah, well, that's cool. what it is. It's still the obsession with bourbon. There's an obsession with bourbon. Right. There's an obsession with things that you just can't get. Yeah. So if it's limited um, supply, then of course people want it and it's like the dork version of yeezys <laughs> yes pretty much i think yeezys um, are pretty dorky too yeah, <laughs> yeah, True. yes it's actually a good point jake um but it's one of those things you, you said your friend you know a, a new drinker in in whiskey and like you don't just start with pappy van winkle no like that's not where you start drinking whiskey that's ridiculous well dude if you had like, like a 15 it's gonna crush your palate yeah, like your uh, expectation on it isn't going to be what you find in these three to five year old bottles and that's okay but because there's really great whiskey inside of here mm. for sure you know like it doesn't have it won't be held up on this age statement yeah. or the proof statement anything or just comes simply along. the name right yeah what about for like, women what do you mean i'm on a, we have one lady it's here. different it's different for the, for the ladies i think women care less yeah. about the hard to get yeah. Oh yeah. It's kind of like a dick swinging thing. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Honestly, it, like it, that's, that's like your guys are saying. Like, is it culture? We'll do, the, we'll do the same shit with bags, right? Sure. Oh. Like, yeah. Give Absolutely. me a Birkin bag. Oh, like my whole yeah. world's changed. But like, with whiskeys, I think women are just excited to, the ones who do learn to appreciate the taste for it, like the palate, because it is so traditionally male. Correct. They're like, yeah, cool. Let me try what I actually like to drink. Not, I should be drinking this. Mm. I need to well like said. this. Well I said. need to buy the expensive one. Because mm-hmm. it's not culturally cool still to right. drink whiskey as a woman. Yeah, hmm. and Which is why I ask. Because, again, it goes back. Is it culture? Is it community? Oh, you it's can add. It's definitely cultural. Add, add cultural because, you know, now you look at marketing why are there separate marketing sub uh, sub departments with another marketing you know why is there a multicultural marketing mm. department yeah. under the marketing department why is there a, a female marketing or gender marketing or so on and so forth under marketing because you know what and the same fucking shit it's fucking whiskey it's fucking bourbon and people are drinking it so why not focus on the people as a whole right and hope for to knock that wall shatter that ceiling or whatever the fuck you know it's you know i i ask because that is something that i still come across in the market well we talk about it now and then where i'll be like it comes down to marketing you so can we're still bust marketing your to the ass, like boots on the street, right? Yeah. You can do the yeah. best deals, you yeah. can do the best whatever. It comes down to marketing. Is it cool? Which yeah. I still say the best thing you can ever do is if you have like I work with a lot of new products. Correct. I take a bottle and like it's getting harder because I'm getting older, but all of my friends used <laughs> You're to be 28. like young millennials though. You are a young millennial. And you I are could, a young millennial. I feel Your like my friends are getting not cool millennial. anymore. They're not We're g- like you gotta 
put a bottle in front of them and something I could think is uh, so cool gotcha. doesn't resonate with regular consumers and Understood. you gotta find that midway point. What, what's cool to them? Um, like let's look at screwball, right? Yeah. Why did that work? If I would have tried that, which I did try it, I was with a rep who was running around with it and I was like, I don't get it. Right. But then I went to like my cousin's St. Patrick's Day party and everyone had literally like that was their bottle they were pulling that they bought for themselves yeah. like I, I didn't i was like wow that's a stomach ache in the morning <laughs> well, exactly in uh you don't know those repercussions until after you experience it yeah but that was my probably my favorite thing about being an ambassador is turning my friends on to good whiskey is you know people wanting to come up to me and try what should i try next what bottle right. what bottle drink tonight but isn't it fascinating to see what they pick out on their own Oh, like yeah. my old roommate before I moved in with my fiance, like she'd come home with like she's like this this is so cool and it was like vodka called basic or something. Basic vodka. She's yeah. playing right into it. <laughs> yeah. Is she and a basic I was like, bitch? Wow, it works. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was not she trying to be is. so I'll offensive, but, face, but it was I was it was offensive. I said it. Bridget. I didn't mean it that way. But Bob, Bob, not. <laughs> Bob knows Bridget. I remember Bridget. She's awesome. She's awesome. <laughs> She's awesome. She's basically awesome. She's fun. She's basically awesome. I had a friend that fell in love with her one night. Oh. Yeah, it didn't work out so well for him. Oh, for Bridget. I love Bob and Shades, man. Oh. No, it didn't work out for well for him. Yeah. Hmm. Bob's yeah. wearing the shades right now. Bob is. Uh, it's bright out. Bobby Zoo's now. Bobby Z's. Granddad. Oh, Bar- bartender favorite. Hey, is bartender. it me or is it uh, a bartender favorite? I, uh, it's like it's like the it's like the like bourbon of Rittenhouse. Cocktail. Per, at retail? Yeah. 2399 so um, yeah, old granddad, twenty three ninety nine. Dude, it smells like yeah. for the bonded version. I skipped it once. It's like a fucking troop, uh, fruit cup. Remember those fruit cups we used to get with the syrup in? Bob, it? As, it? as a bartender, I have a story to tell you that you might want to go slap a bitch. Uh oh. Guy, oh, guy boy. or girl? I mean, uh, n- you know, n- I'm not gonna. Be, I'm not gonna have to fire anybody, am I? No, 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 no. Um, it didn't happen at this bar. It happened years ago. It sounded aggressive. I was. I, uh, like that. I, was <laughs> I don't just like enjoy. Yeah. I was like, I fire people every day. I hate. I hate doing that. Friday night fights. Cat says she was very entertained thing. by our podcast after the whiskey fest. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. but I was at a bar in Lincoln Park a couple of years ago, and I ordered an old granddad neat, and the bartender didn't know what I was talking about. Okay. And she was like, "Which white bottle?" And it wasn't a very big whiskey selection in the bar anyway. <laughs> but then I'm thinking, like, this is the bartender's choice of bourbon, of whiskey. Right. Many, just whiskey in general, probably, when it comes to, like, a little uh, work shift shot. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. Beer what would shot. you do if you had a bartender that didn't know what old granddad was? Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd try to point out the bottle. Uh, and just call it uh, <laughs> the diplomatic approach. Don't you? That's old granddad. So you see that, like, that orange this one guy. with the old guy on it. It's That's that Basil. one. I'll take yeah. that one. Uh, you know, I, it depends on where I'm at, yeah. of course, too. Uh, you, don't have to f- you don't have to fire anybody. You don't have to uh, slap a bitch. Don't worry about I'm glad it. That didn't happen here. Oh, it didn't happen here. <laughs> again, again, another whiskey that if you go into a bar and they don't have it, right. if they do not have old granddad bonded 
bourbon. You have bad sales reps. You're probably in a place you don't want to be. It's <laughs> it's one of those bottles that should absolutely be on the shelf of any bar you walk into. We we talked about makers before. That and this, should be there as well. And it's usually in the cocktail. Right. It should. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it should be kind of the go-to. Our like shot. if you order a cocktail and it's not stated like what whiskey they're using. Most likely. Um, Old Granddad or Old Granddad should, was probably in it. And Rittenhouse is great too. Yeah. Is the price point that great that it's always in it, or is it because of the quality of the juice that it actually melds well into? Cocktails? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Rittenhouse isn't like ten dollars a bottle. No, it's, of course it's not, not like no, that. No, but but, um, but the quality of what's in the bottle, it's hundred proof. It stands up in a cocktail. If someone just says, "I want to rye old fashioned," I want something that's under, you know. Eleven, twelve dollars for an old fashioned. Yeah, Rittenhouse is, is the go to because the quality because the quality's there. Overhaul, yeah. I do like Overhaul too. Yeah, um, they just released. Uh, I mean, maybe not just released. It's probably months. This was probably actually a while ago, but they have a bonded version yeah. as well. Bonded yeah. as well. Uh, for a good amount of time, it was always eighty proof, and, yep. and yep. then they came out with just a bonded version as well. A year ago, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, maybe about a year ago. Yeah, year, year yeah. and a half ago. Yeah. Um, so and and Rittenhouse is also does have like a. A name recognition where if you tell a customer, oh, I'm using Rittenhouse, rather like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah good call. Yeah. You know, we're like, yeah, if I'm I like, you, you know, right. like there's a little bit. I mean, I ask because I've noticed more and more that rye-based cocktails are using bonded uh, mm-hmm. BIB rye mm-hmm. um, and some bourbons as well. So I'm, I'm not, sh- because of the requirements for it to be a BIV, um, I'm wondering... Um, is that now going to influence, you know, the single, you know, going and like, man, I had it in a cocktail. Uh, so I, BIB is on the way back. I love, I love, I love sense. BIB. I love Bonnet. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Williams, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's so many great brands that, right. that are, that are affordable that and, are and that are, that and are, that are, that yeah, are solid, Dance. solid, yeah. solid quality. Coming uh, back to what you were talking about earlier, Bob, with like the touch of the bottles and then knowing what you really had in stock for me at Coval, we had a... I don't know, tubs of 200 whiskeys sitting around. Oh, <laughs> we had these tubs, we do all these samplings and pairings with the class, pairings, classes yeah. with to kind of describe where whiskey had come from and then compare it to what we were making back then. And old Overhaul and uh, Old Granddad and just a few of those basic whiskeys where you like are in every bar, every mm-hmm. cocktail, Maker's Mark. It's where I started like trying to s- see stuff and what it, what it tasted like and you heard like, oh, this is like gut gut, gut rock hit whiskey and all this kind of stuff, but you just no, it's not at all. It's just different from what you might have compared to like a Pappy or a Buffalo Trace. And just starting there and feeling that and getting to know those whiskeys from a personal level that date back, you know, decades, decades, and maybe even centuries to where we are now, like where we were then back in 2015 at Coval, and where craft whiskey is going and how it's making its way. It was really interesting to like taste through generations, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and I think the just the there's something about bonded that's it's it's old it's old school. Yeah, there's regulations. You're at least getting four years. Like there's so there's something that. Uh, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of gravitate towards yeah, to a little right. bit. Like I gravitate towards some do you towards gravitate? Yeah. stuff. But, but do you gravitate so. as a bartender and personally? But do you gravitate to what it stands for, or do you gravitate to what it actually comes out tasting to you for? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I okay. mean, it doesn't mean that every bonded, every it doesn't mean that every bonded whiskey is is incredible. No, by no, any no means, of course but, not. But I'm I'm curious because I've noticed that 
not a search, but I've noticed more and more BIBs on menus and cocktails. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, man, is it the proof that's really standing that up? Nice pop. Or is it the actual taste that's playing up? Or, so I mean, I have a, I have a theory, you yeah. dig? So it's confusing. That's why I asked. My theory on it is for a while, cocktails disappeared, right? Like yes. Nobody was drinking, no one cocktails. Was drinking cocktails. There's a resurgence Correct. in it. So you're right. looking at. Well, especially here in Chicago. Right. So mm. you're looking at, like, right after Prohibition times or even pre-Prohibition cocktails. Right. And the issue with brown spirits at the time in, in the United States was American whiskey. There's oh. a label of American whiskey. So yes. when you label that with the TTB, it's, I believe, up to only, like, 20% of it needs to be actual American whiskey. And you can fill the rest with grain alcohol. No shit. You could fill it. so it's right. it was such a thing where it was like okay a hundred percent whiskey that sounds wild right like that's expensive that's luxury we were just putting shit with like twenty percent of whiskey to keep that to call it whiskey Gosh. so bottled and bond became this kind of label that was like this is this is all whiskey this is all aged in this particular amount like and put in one place and you're talking about back in the 1800s right right because it american whiskey was cut with so many things which so is, which is bottled and bond right. felt so pure right well, I mean, health wise you needed to really well health wise <laughs> also also profitability wise when it came to taxes and it came as true legislation well, for sure i mean that's, yeah. where, that's where whiskey plays such an important role in the united states but working sense. with breaking and entering st george american whiskey right. like i People were having issues with it being called American whiskey, so I like dove into the history of it, and it totally makes sense because mm -hmm. that's what you're thinking of when you think of Seagram Seven or oh, yeah. any of those. They're not full whiskey. It's kind of like what Japanese no. law is right now when it comes to making whiskey. Currently, when all like you could have whiskey that's made in Scotland and then touch a barrel that was in Japan. As long as that barrel is touching soil in Japan, it's a Japanese whiskey. Mm. Mm. So it's just, it's interesting how whisk, how other countries and other concepts are catching up to what America did back in the 1800s, then in the early 1900s, and then through the 1900s as well, establishing law uh, when it came to Bottle and Bond Act, when it came to the Native Spirit being in the 1960s, and also with the uh, Food and Drug Administration Act, where you actually had laws passed to be defined as whiskey and then also as food too <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's such a pivotal thing when it comes to developing not just legislation in america but the foundation of the country yeah but i, I agree with you everything you said there jamie yeah it was it, like an, it was a necessary step but it's frustrating now working with breaking and entering because i think it's such a great whiskey but people overlook what's it what's the mash bill on that so that is uh okay now that i'm on air i gotta kind of on air tone it in it's because normally <laughs> i might say where the distillery is from but it's 12-year-old rye um, from Tennessee. It's 8- to 10-year-old Kentucky bourbon and then our own single malt. Hmm. So That's it's a blend. Your own single malt. Though. Yep. Okay. So it's a blend with bourbon, rye, and our own single malt and then finished in different barrels. So we call it American whiskey, yeah. trying to make blending like more famous here or more recognized. The American whiskey category can be a little tough. Right. People don't, yeah, they don't even look at it because well, they're like, I like bourbon, so they go to the bourbon aisle. Right. Or I like rye, so I go there, I go to scotch, right? It's probably, you see it a lot with Australia. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's only four laws that make up Australian whiskey, and they're very broad. It's basically take a fermented, fermented mashed grain, distill it, put it in a barrel, uh, oak cast for two years, um, and then be made in Australia and have it taste like whiskey. I always thought it was silly because I felt like bourbon had the most 
Well, it was because we wanted like, to establish it. Well, as it's more so, and spirit. federally, it's been stated. I mean, right. Yeah. Documented. And then some actually about two years ago, there was a Canadian distillery trying to put bourbon on their label. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but there's the actual law. Um, I'm not sure they ever played out in the lawsuit with all that. I kind of stopped following it because I found oh, it just silly. I, they um, so that brand, it's a very well known very Canadian well known. brand. I think the most well-known. I would say so. Yeah. In the world. Oh. Uh, out of Jack. Canada. Oh, out Canada. of Canada. Yeah, 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 out of Canada. Yeah. 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 Um, I recently saw that same whiskey renamed. Um, Have you ever seen it named bourbon? Yes. The label in the states. There's some here in Chicago. I'll tell you where it's okay. at if you ever wanted to get a bottle. But so they called it Bourbon Mash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was made in Canada, so you're coming up against some uh, legalities there. You can't really use the word bourbon when it's not made here in the States. But they're still producing it, and I think the label says something like... So good. I think they still say mash in it, but they, they remove the And we're back from a slight technical break. Oh, we're back. Ooh, we're back. We're back. Yeah. Where, where were we at? We're back. We're back. We were talking about something. Laws, uh, Dickel. We were on the bonded we were talking about topic. Dickel. Yeah, we were. American whiskey. Or we can just go straight into what we're drinking right now. Let's, Let's go, go straight, straight into what we're drinking right, 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 right now. Yeah. Chris, what do we got? Chris, what do we got? We are drinking. Oh, Thank you. Jinx, you The rate, the. Uh, the uh, I'm slur- slurring my words. <laughs> a lot of tastings will do that. We've, we've had a lot of whiskey today. Oh, this is fabulous. Um, this is the latest collaboration. Uh, f- out of Bardstown Bourbon Company. They have a whole series of uh, collaborations that they've done. Many of them have been with uh, Copper and Kings, which this one um, is with Copper and Kings. It is nine-year-old Tennessee bourbon finished in Copper and Kings orange Curacao yeah, barrels. Is. And it is quite, Amazing. quite wonderful. Yeah. It is quite wonderful. Awesome. The nose this, on it is incredible. Yeah, this just hit the uh, Chicago market yesterday. Um, I call it the, I think I want to call it like the cool guys rock and rye. Oh. Oh. It's already taken by slow and low. Shit. <laughs> right? But it's like kind of boozier, not fully employees. there. Like not fully a rock and rye. Right, but it's like this the cool, cool guys rock and rye, or like the whiskey lovers rock and rye. And, and this is. I get like pickled beet. Yeah. 100 proof. Um, you feel that on ice with some ginger beer? Oh my god! Ooh, this is this is one of those. I want this in an old. Fashion. This is one of those whiskey. Yeah, but this you're not would be put simple syrup with it. Yeah, it is an old fashioned. It is an old fashioned. Right. Fashion. I was just gonna say that it's an old fashioned in a glass. Right. I mean, maybe a bar spoonful of like the Luxardo juice. You just this just is one of those bottles that. I, I just wrote an article for um, cities.com, which hasn't been published yet, but it's about uh, five finished whiskeys to take with you on a road trip. Ooh. And oh. I did finished whiskeys in this article. I did not include this one because it wasn't out yet, but I would have it had I known. hired as an ambassador. Yes. No. Bourbons or just across the board? <laughs> So this is uh, for the f- five, for the f- finished, for the finished whiskeys. Five finished whiskeys. Doesn't so matter. included in the article were three bourbons finished and two ryes that were finished. Okay. I'm not putting this out until next Thursday. Can you give us the names? Uh, I would have to rack my brain right now what I included, but I, c- I can try and remember Did here. Did Callum pay you for a finish <sighs> of Avalar? 
He tried no, to be. No, but I, I was going to include Abelauer, but I decided to keep it <laughs> no, all American no, whiskey. No, like no, Duffy, bringing in the X-rated. Jimmy, what happened to the article that I wrote for <laughs> you? I was doing an article for Liquor.com, yeah, and we Bob. wrote it for You're you. You're the one with the negative Callum and I wrote it for mindset. you. We wrote it for you. I, I looked for heavy input. <laughs> <laughs> you looked for heavy input? Hey, it was after a good deed, we went and helped clean up Gene's warehouse. So you kept it to American whiskeys only? So I kept it to American whiskeys, and the whole <laughs> <laughs> the whole point Falling of the article the was that, like, if you're going to go on a road trip, <laughs> uh, the website is doing this whole thing on road trips in September, and I figured if you're going to go oh, on a road okay. trip gotcha. and you're going to bring a whiskey with you and you want to pack lightly, you don't want to be bringing a whiskey and mixers and all this other that's stuff along with yeah, you. Of course, you could just bring an old granddad and drink that neat, and you'd be totally fine. But if you wanted something a little bit different um, that's more like a cocktail, bring a finished whiskey. Mm-hmm. Did you bring anything with, like, a did. chocolate malt? I think that goes with it, too. Yes, I did, actually. Did you take a photo for your... Really like inter- I'm really interested in no. about this. I love, like, didn't a make a little <laughs> thrown in there. Yeah. <laughs> So here's what I selected, and I would have selected this if this would have been. Whiskey. Yes. Was this your consolation Dude. prize? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that. It was so good. That shit is so, so good. If, Sorry, I mean, I we're already, I don't know how many hours in we are. Yeah. Three. That's exactly but um, so the five finished whiskeys that I included in this article, like, bring these along because it's basically like, kind of like a ready-made cocktail for you. Right. You don't need anything else. Just pour it in the glass, drink it when you get to where you're going. And you're good to go. So, Jamie, you said, is there anything with, like, a chocolatey type of flavor to it? Uh, the first one I included w- was under a double oaked finish, and it's Old Forester 1910. Yes. Oh. Because it is finished in, like, a barrel that's basically falling apart. They char it so much, and they put it into that barrel, and, like, the barrel is basically leaking right. whiskey. They've charred it so much, and it imparts, like, all these incredible chocolate, chocolate. and, like, I vanilla. Love yeah. I love it's like It's like... S'mores. So I said, yeah. pick that bottle if your destination involves a campfire and lots of s'mores. That's like what <laughs> is the 1910 bottle? Yeah, like, it's like a milk stout right. to yeah. me. Yeah, the point. Like, yeah, yeah. I love a whiskey that resembles a milk stout. A 1910, I think, definitely love fits it. into that. And Jake, yes, I think it's about 55 bucks. Um, <laughs> do you want me to go through with yeah, these? Please, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, I please, like yeah. Yes, please, please do. Too much here. No, 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 no. Chris, you're the guest. Jamie's so <laughs> bombarding, and yeah. Bob's just here. So the next, the next category I <laughs> figured that no, no. that was popular <laughs> in <laughs> like <laughs> the finished whiskey categories is port finishes. You see uh, so many different uh, whiskeys finished uh, in a in a port pipe or port barrel. So I included uh, High West, a Midwinter Night's Dram. Oh, yeah, in that uh, category, like oh. that is something if you're going on a trip, and I and I said. Pick this bottle if you're heading for the mountains because it's like the perfect pour après ski after ooh, you're done skiing. Ooh, I could see pour, that. Pour a, a midwinter night's dram in the glass and like you don't need anything else. It's pure like fig jam and, mm-hmm. and those those port influences, dark fruits. I can um, dig that. Really great pour in the wintertime, I think. It's like... For it's me, pretty it was much one Christmas. that had so much hype that I knew I couldn't live up to it when I tasted it. Oh, it's so I good. I enjoyed it. Like, I did enjoy it. But, you know, it's I feel the same way about certain movies where it's like I've heard so much about it, and then I go to the movie, and it's like there's no way that movie could have been that good, you know? 
Do you have an example of that? <laughs> Anything with Keanu Reeves. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry. Keanu's an awesome dude, but he's a fucking terrible actor. Well, well uh, Chris is his last time on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, what's next? I what's the what's the next? Yeah. What's the next pick? Can I guess one of them? All, yes. Amer- all American whiskey. All right? American whiskey. These are all American whiskeys. Finished whiskeys. So I'm eating this microphone. To take with you and so you enjoy said, when you, you reach your destination. You said one big guy, one craft dish brand. So I think we have to go to a craft level now. We're gonna stay. I'm gonna stay bourbon. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's the finish? I, are they all different finishes? So there's four different finishes, and there's two under one of the mm. one of the finishes. Oh, so we've already done you did port double already. oaked. Yeah. We've done port, so port's out. What about uh, New Holland? Okay, I think this is going to be a shake-up. No one's going to like it. I like I it. I was going to say this one. Oh, really? Yeah. The Please New go ahead. Holland yeah. beer, 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 beer barrel. I think I it's great. It's smooth. It's easy. Yeah. It's $35. I, it's never going to, like be like super complex but it is what it is and it's great for that that's where i was going that is that is definitely an honorable mention i did not include a beer finish that should be your next uh, beer pairing on the menu and that probably would have been uh, the beer finish so what Um, would come close to that then on the list well the next one i did was maple syrup finish because that seems to be like a super popular one these days like finishing a bourbon in a maple syrup barrel so that is a uh, Taconic Distillery. Oh, they do yeah. d- uh, double barrel maple bourbon. So they're, you know, they're starting. They're aging in in a regular uh, charred new oak barrel, and then they're moving to the uh, maple syrup barrel. Uh, local. This uh, Taconic is a, a distillery out of New York. They yeah, they right. partner with a local uh, maple syrup maker mm-hmm. in in new york to finish the bourbon i haven't had their whiskey by assuming that's probably an old-fashioned also in the bottle oh my god it's it's a maple old-fashioned in the bottle oh, for sure um they for do sure. two versions of it they do a 90 proof they do a cask strength version of it mm. they are coming to chicago uh very soon um well if they're you uh, can also find their stuff coming, online maybe they should come on the Kena lake podcast yeah for real um, but you can buy their stuff online too. That's why I included it. I tried to do stuff that like oh, you nice. can access. Access. So well it's well while mean, it's a well small brand it. and it's uh, a craft distillery, you can find it uh, through many outlets online. Is the Star Wars ginger beer cask on there? <laughs> no, <laughs> I haven't had that. I've had all yeah, of these whiskeys. So if I, I would have had it, I would have considered it. Well, it's I not would've... available in America. Well. Damn it. Oh well, then what the shit, man. <laughs> So the final category yeah, on this in Australia. is triple cask finish, which is becoming mm-hmm. like a very Jesus. popular category, which sometimes I feel like it, you're starting to get like too much is happening like here. Like when, yeah, like when is this going to end? Like how many, barrels, <laughs> yeah. how many barrels are you going to finish the whiskey in before it's like you've completely lost the whiskey? How many times are you going to hop something? Yeah. But I feel like these two. It's like when we were at Duke of Perth, and I was like, I don't like IPAs, and Mike Miller was like, you don't like American IPAs. Correct. Remember? Yeah, the Scottish. Duke IPA. of Perth, Mike Miller. Yeah, Duke, Duke of Perth, Perth Mike, Mike Miller. Miller. Correct. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know him, but I know the other Mike Miller. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Jesus. Anyhow. Exactly. The oh last God. was a triple cask finish. And I think these two are 
examples of like the whiskey not being lost when you finish in not one barrel, but a second barrel, but a third barrel. Um, so I included the Sagamore oh, Spirit Manhattan. How much did Brett pay you oh, for this? Nothing. Manhattan finish. So I had this. The reason this is included is because of the event here at Fountainhead. God damn it. That you guys should, never did. Never should have put on that event. The, the Key in the Lake uh, yeah, whiskeys, whiskeys of the World, of the world yeah. event. Around I, the world, damn it. Sorry, around, around the, the world. world. So I tasted this. Hosted by Bob Zacharias. Yes, hosted by Bob. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tasted this at that event, and I, okay. I thought this should be included on the so list. It's so a, it's, it's a, a rye. It's a phenomenal rye. Finish, and by the way, Midwinter's Night Dram is also a rye that's finished in the uh, port barrels. So this is a rye finished in vermouth barrels, bitters barrels, and cherry brandy barrels. So it is... Seriously, a Manhattan in a bottle. It is. It, 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 it is, is like. Yeah. It, it is, is as close as you could possibly can get to. Yeah. 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 It's as close it's as you new, possibly can get to a bottled cocktail that's not actually a bottled cocktail. I agree. Yeah. You know, and it, it is genius. genius. It's absolutely. It is genius because it time was, consuming. They took their base product. One million dollars. They turned it into a Manhattan. Fucking Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't tried. I haven't tried. It's ridiculous. All you do is add ice and a cherry on top, and you're like, okay, I'm good. It's a Manhattan. Really? Yeah. You can chill it. Yeah, you chill it. Shake it. On ice, as you mentioned. I think you'd shake it. Shake it. uh, I would shake the shit out of it. (laughs) Drop a fucking two tree cherries in it. Filter shit out of it. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic. So that I included, and the last one I included was Joseph Magnus Cigar Blend. The Cigar Blend's good. I've got a bottle behind the bar somewhere. Which is finished in Armagnac. it out. It's really Armagnac, good. sherry, and cognac barrels, Armagnac. and that is like sure. the epitome <laughs> of a. That is the epitome of like a deep, layered, yes, bourbon that just has. It's a meal. So much going. It is a meal and a glass. I don't think I've ever had it until it's Bob unreal. is bringing it's, it out right now. Yes. I have really to say, good. you did a really good job with that. Oh, Chris. Thank you. Chris like really sometimes good. I get like people are like, oh, will you try this for an article? And I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Like you really thought that out. That was, I did really. Chris think, is professional, unlike yeah. us. Chris yeah. puts it. Still working. And, and credit working to Chris. Working. He really, he, he puts time and effort into everything. No, that was beautiful. Um, I love that. T- thank you. A lot of thoughtfulness in it, into mm-hmm. it. So it's oh. always, you can't go wrong. You and can never go wrong with the recommendation or and and I paired all of those with like a certain like a certain trip that you're gonna take for sure. So like I said, the old what forester, the, yeah, what was the old, the old forester? forester. I said take that if your destination involves a campfire and lots oh. of s'mores. Right. Uh, the High West Midwinter's Night Dram. I said take that if you're going skiing. Uh, the Taconic Maple Syrup. Uh, take that bottle with you if you're chasing fall colors and uh, chilly temperatures, uh, like the maple barrel finish. Um, the Sagamore uh, Manhattan Rye. If you're heading for the bright lights of the big city, bring yes. that uh, oh. bottle along with you. That's me every night. Uh, <laughs> you know the Manhattan and the cigar blend. I said bring that with you if you if if your if your trip is going to involve late nights and thoughtful conversations. Bring the uh, Magnus cigar blend. Magnus cigar blend. I love the city. I love, I love the campfire and that last Cheers. one that you mentioned. This is such a and this is a great fucking whiskey right here. So the cigar blend, this is blended by Nancy Fraley, who is like ah, a legendary yeah. master. Yep. Yeah, she, she is. The, yeah, That's she's a blender well. of Jane. That's how I know her. Yeah. Yeah. So she's consulted with so many brands, and she is like, she's known as I think the I nose up. is like her nickname. She has like the best nose in all of whiskey. You, 
Um, so uh, her, Magnus her next, her uses... Her trip to J. Henry, she will be on the podcast. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Dude, I, go. I would love go. to meet her because she's a legend, and she, she creates the cigar blend... Um, for Joseph Magnus, and the it's color always ridiculous. phenomenal. Yeah, that is. Cheers. Thank you, Bob. That's great. Thank you, guys. Cheers, cheers. The worst part about being the creator, recorder, producer, and photographer of the podcast is I don't get to partake in anything cool like you guys just did. So, you are the creative mind behind everything, so... So what are the, what's the plan for uh, for 100? Well, we have a big rooftop up here. We gotta, yeah, <laughs> we can create a Blow whole sort of like Blow rotating well guest we, list. You didn't make it to the one year anniversary show, right? I did not. So that was a shit show. Um, but Chris fun. Was but fun. Awesome. But, but it fun. Was fun. That was epic, guy. Right? We drank a lot of Kentucky Owl, actually. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we did. <laughs> I was gonna yeah, comment on that day. last night. I was gonna comment on that. that I'm like, well, he would know what we're talking about. And Randy, Randy was there. Yeah. Randy was there. Yeah, you brought Randy. Yeah. I just got him that week. Candy Randy. Randy. <laughs> Huge hog for a little dog. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be uh, our byline? Get the and on that note, there it is. There we'll it is. see you next week. <laughs> on next week on uh, Key in the Lake. For Jamie Duffy of the Collective by Thoroughbred. <laughs> Wilson Torres of Union Horse Distilling Co., Chris Lager of the Urban <laughs> Urban Bourbonist, Sunday Night Fights, and the Urban Bourbon Hour, and of course Bob Zacharias of the Fountainhead in the Fountainhead Roof Deck Garden. I am Jake Hookie, Star Wars brand ambassador out of Australia, and episode one hundred coming next week. Good luck. <laughs> Cheers.